Hi folks, welcome to the Total Football Analysis Daily Podcast. You can probably guess it's the weekend and Adam's buggered off to do whatever he does at the weekend because you've got me as your host today, Chris Darwin, founder of Total Football Analysis, and I'm joined by our data wizard, Satish. Hello, uh, Satish, how are you today? Well, good, Matt, how are you? Yeah, very good, very good. Nice to have you here. And we've got our betting guru, Lucas. How are you doing, Lucas? Hi, Chris. Good stuff. Well, look, guys, as uh, we will be talking about betting and odds and gambling in today's podcast, it's always important to point out that this is only advice. We're not saying that you should definitely go and do anything. Uh, you Please do be gamble aware if you're thinking of placing a bet on anything to do with the World Cup or anything in general. Uh, and also never bet anything that you're not prepared to lose because that happens more often than you win. I've personally found it in my uh, in my time. So good stuff. We're going to kick off today by slightly different today, this podcast. We're going to we're going to go back over the group stages because we're recording this about an hour and a half before the round of 16 kicks off with the Netherlands versus the United States. So we're going to use this as an opportunity to look at a few things from the group stages, which were, were interesting because it was a, a very good group stage of a World Cup. And then we're going to be previewing uh, a few of the round of 16 games being, which one should we look at? We're going to look at Argentina, Australia. Uh, we'll talk about France, Poland, and then we'll talk about England versus Senegal as well. So Satish, um, from the data perspective then, wow us, what's been, what's really stood out and been, been interesting or different um, in the group stages when it comes to data metrics and all that good stuff? Uh, so first of all, the first thing that surprised me is because initially when the World Cup began, we had this list that was coming out, the, the mathematical model that was released, like which predicted the 16 teams that would qualify to the round of 16. And this group stage has been very interesting that almost seven teams were completely new, like it was completely against what the Oxford mathematical model predicted. So that itself shows like how unpredictable the group stages has been in this World Cup. So who was, who was predicted to go through from this uh, mathematical machine that didn't then? I'm, I'm guessing the likes of Germany, for example. And I still like saying that Germany have gone out in the group, in the group stage. Yeah, a few teams, like big names, were like Germany, Belgium. They were all predicted to go in. But yeah, they weren't. They, were, they, like, they didn't make it through to the round of 16. And, and, where, and where, that, did this, where did this mathematical model come from? Who, who built this? And uh, this was quite horrendously wrong. Yeah, this was this is a very famous one from the University of Oxford. Okay. So, yeah. So th this one, like, it's like, you know, anything from Oxford is like universally accepted. So this was like a high end, most reliable thing that they did. So yeah, out of the 16 teams they predicted, like seven teams were completely new. Okay. Okay, good stuff. And uh, let's just jump into the, the round of 16 a little bit then. Has this mathematical model told us who's uh, who's likely to win the World Cup based on, on, their, on their machine? Yeah, based on their mission, Brazil is expected to win the World Cup. Like they'll be facing Argentina in the semifinals and the win probability between those two is like Argentina with 48.4% and Brazil with 51.6%. Which is very likely to happen because I I'm ex like based on the round of sixteen fixtures and based on the numbers I think Argentina and Brazil should make it to the semifinals because Argentina right now they have the like they are among the highest expected goals 
Yeah. And in terms of defensive performance, they have the least expected goal considered followed by Brazil. So in terms of metrics, these two teams have been performing very well. But something that should that Argentina and Brazil should take into account is that they have been underperforming their expected goals. So this should, this could be a factor based on like the number of chances they create and like they were able to create in the group stages. But as the progress, like as they progress to the round of 16 and quarterfinals, the number of chances they create would be minimum. So they have to focus more on finishing. They have to be like clinical with their finishes. And if that goes well, yes, of course, we could see Argentina and Brazil in the semifinals on this side. And in that side, it was predicted, predicted that France and Belgium would be playing the semifinals. Oh, but they Belgium, predicted Belgium. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, they predicted Belgium would be playing the finals against Brazil. So... Now that Belgium is not not in the round of 16, wow. anything could happen on the other side. That is a big miss. And that, that is actually, it's, it's a really interesting thing, though, because I don't think many people who were looking at it from, from let's say, the data side alongside what we know and what we see. So let's say, call it taking more of a blended approach to what we think might happen rather than just going purely on mathematics. I don't think many people who are going with a blended approach would have dared say that Belgium are going to make it all the way to the final. Equally, I don't think many of us would have said that they're categorically going to be that bad and and crash and burn so dramatically in the group stages either. But I I can't even remember what we put in our our prediction magazine, but I I think it was around quarterfinals at best for, for Belgium, probably. That's certainly how I felt about it personally anyway. So it, it is interesting um, how the mathematical side of it can uh, probably find a lot of reasons why Belgium should be getting to a final. But then when you sort of see it and you feel it and you look at it going into the tournament, it's hard to then back that completely. Yeah, I mean, very true. In fact, I think the main reason why Belgium failed is because they were very poor in terms of finishing. Like they were able to create chances. Like. In terms of expected goal creator, like expected goals per 90, they had an expected goal value greater than one, which is 1.37. But in terms of actual goals scored, they are probably at the bottom, like they are at the last place. So this is the main reason why I think they couldn't qualify like to the round of 16. And I think Romelu Lukaku's 20-minute cameo sums it all <laughs> up perfectly, really, yeah. uh, as to the, the uh, not taking the chances created side of exactly. side of football no sure but it's, it's interesting on argentina as well then because i mean when you're watching the games it doesn't feel like a team that came into this tournament unbeaten in whatever it was 35 games coming into the tournament and having won the copper america and and many people tipping them to potentially go all the way i mean obviously they they got through um yeah but i think sorry to inter- interrupt but i think Argentina is one of the teams that I personally feel have tactically evolved from game one because against Saudi Arabia, they felt like like they felt like they were never settled because Saudi Arabia kept disturbing them in the middle of the pitch. And against Mexico, they were a bit comfortable, but then they couldn't produce in the final third. But against Poland, like if I personally felt that they were better, like they felt like finally felt like, okay, fine, Argentina is finally back because there was a plan in there because earlier, they, I felt like they completely depended on Di Maria to play, like to create chances, and then the tempo was very slow. But against Poland, I think they did a very good job tactically as well because uh, they knew Poland is a very good team in terms of like discipline and defensive state of the game. 
so they were that tempo was high they were constantly moving the ball from left to right to create spaces in the middle so i think they have tactically evolved from game 1 so they have settled in so i think uh like how like what why like i think they are very well the favorites to go to win the world cup okay interesting what well, um any other data points or uh, anything in the stats that caught your eye in the group stages or uh, something that i would personally think is like australia because uh, last time when me adam and all were talking we personally felt australia was like overperforming mm. uh because australia like literally they finished on like on the same points with spain so uh like uh, in terms of finishing and like an expected goals against they have the highest expected goal against which means they have been giving away chances for the opponents to score goals and even in terms of like creating chances they are at the bottom and considering all this in terms of numbers i mean anyone who just looked at the number they like there's no way australia got into the round of 16 so so this personally feels like australia they've overperformed and in terms of argentina versus australia in the next round i think argentina should have a comfortable win yeah i mean obviously that's what logic says but i don't know i'm and i'm not for one minute suggesting that australia are going to go out and beat argentina i mean again i think i probably would uh, on the side of argentina knocking them out but there is something about australia versus argentina where it's never as easy for the for argentinian side as everyone might imagine um having grown up playing a lot of cricket in my life i've gotten a huge amount of respect for australian sports people <laughs> as well so there's there is something in that mentality which means it won't be an easy ride equally though uh and having gone from the first game where it didn't look like an argentinian side with the with the traditional fight and and feeling of argentinianness in their in their side that has certainly changed as the tournament's gone on as well though for sure so then lucas on the on the betting side of things then what's evolved as the tournament's gone on in terms of what what things have you noticed in the market that's really caught your eye and you weren't really expecting Well of course we have the early uh, problems that Belgium and Germany had in the tournament that ultimately changed a little what everyone expected to round of 16 we have uh, a situation in the outrights market which uh, is evolving steadily we have now have Brazil Argentina France Spain and England as top contenders for a while now of course now that we have less teams the odds are dropping more and more so mm. it may be uh, a good time for less call to bet on on these markets and uh, speaking of of the game of argentina and other games where you have clear favorites there is some interesting value in the handicap betting markets which is the professionals market so for example if you bet on australia if you only have to hope that they lose by just one just to win in win in the house of 100% of profits so as we have tight games and you need to win by just one it's often a case in which the small team is a loser in in the typical 1x2 market mm. the match result market but still there is good profits to be made in the handicap scenario so that fit, i mean that does actually feel potentially realistic as well that argentina do only beat australia by a single goal So it's yeah I I can understand I can understand the logic in in that one for for sure. Well let's let's look at um, the games that are coming up then guys and uh and get a feeling for how we think they they might play out. Obviously we're not going to talk in detail about uh, Netherlands United States. The first one that we are going to be looking at in a little bit more detail is the 
is the Argentina Australia game. Um, Lucas, on that then, so you've you've then looked at the the handicap market as being probably the most interesting one uh, for that match. Is there uh, is there any anywhere else in there that you think there might be a bit of added value in the in the betting market? Well, Poland has very similar odds compared with Australia, and uh, you have a situation in which, of course, France can attack probably a lot more strongly than Argentina, but it, it could still be an, an interesting bat. And uh, Brazil has quite a few problems in terms of injuries in the same sectors, especially the right back and the left back. So uh, South Korea with a similar type of bat could be interesting too, even if Brazil wins by one. I now expect a more defensive approach once Brazil is ahead, especially in the second half, if that happens. So perhaps the underdogs are good bets in, in this round of 16. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And then from on the on the what's the data telling us then about Argentina versus Australia? Um Satish. Oh well, like I already mentioned, like Australia has been overperforming because they have not been able to create chances. They have like they have very low goal score. And in terms of expected goal against, they have the highest meaning. They are letting the opponents create chances. So Argentina, they have been doing all this very well. They have been creating chances. They have been scoring quite a number of goals. And they have, like, despite the fact they have to be a, like more clinical to get more goals, they have been creating chances. They have been able to score goals. So in terms of data-wise, I obviously expect Argentina to win. I think the key would be like Argentina shouldn't trust the game. And either they have to wait for a chance like how they played against Poland. Australia will be looking to re replic like replicate something similar to what they did against Denmark. Like they put pressure on Denmark, force them to commit people up, and then they attack them on the counter. If Argentina could control that and if they hold to their game, I think they should they, they should be able to win the game. But don't forget that Ghana had scored five goals, and Uruguay hadn't. I don't think it even had a shot on target in the World Cup ahead of that game. And Uruguay ran out 2-0 winners. Not that it did them any good, of course. They, they still went home. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if those uh, those metrics do get turned on their head later on today. Yeah. But then let's look at look at France and Poland then, Satish. Um, so, yeah, common sense says that France will probably win this. But what, what are the underlying numbers telling us? Well, the underlying numbers do support what... It's been saying that France would win. Like apart from data, tactically also, I think Poland has to change the way they approach the game in order to win the game. Because right now they completely depend on Lewandowski to win the game. Like they park the bus, they make sure Lewandowski is the only guy up front. They win the ball, pass it to Lewandowski, like make sure he holds the ball, and then they come into place up. But this is something a problematic tactic because in a in a four four two like uh, formation, like both the wing back and the winger is like like so close and they're very far away from the striker. So Lewandowski has very less time to hold the ball. So in order to win against France, I think they have to change their tactic. But at the same time, France, they they have in, they have very good expected goals this tournament. They have they are ranked second in terms of expected goal per 90. And they've also been finishing like uh, making use of their chances. But on the other end, Poland, they are ranked very low in terms of goals per 90. So it should be comfortable if France is able to maintain position and convert their chances. But I personally feel something that France should be careful of 
is the Poland. Poland, they have a very good XG per shot value. So mm. the shots count. Like even if they take a one shot or two shots on target, I think they are make, they're going to make sure it's going to count. So the main thing that France should focus on is to keep possession, make sure Poland, they don't have any attempts on goal. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Good stuff. And then the one that, well, personally, I'm more interested in is England versus Senegal. Um, now, in, in England, everyone's veering between being super excited, having beaten Iran 6-2, less excited because we drew nil-nil with the United States, and then feeling like we probably should have beaten Wales 3-0, if not by more, because they weren't as good as as the emotion around the Welsh camp would, uh, would, would hope that they were a better side with all of that side of it. Um, so England, Senegal, what's the what's the data telling us there? Well, uh, England versus Senegal, uh, of course, like the data favor England because again, I'm, they keep repeating, but England has better shots per 90 and in terms of uh, entering into the final third and in terms of entering into the box, England seemed better. But Senegal, I think they would cause problems in terms of attacking through the flank because they've got the pace. Like we eventually, we all thought the absence of Mane would affect Senegal. But they have been performing really better, like not really better, but they have been performing really well without Mane also. So I think they would cause problem in that aspect. And tactically, I think USA, they pretty much laid out a very good way on how to defend England. So I think if Senegal could stick to it, make sure the progression from defensive line to the midline is compact. And if they make it hard for England, I think the game could be a very interesting one. Okay. And then what's the betting markets telling us about England, Senegal, Lucas? Well, obviously, you have a situation in which England is the favorite team, but uh, we have seen a lot in this World Cup, and you and you can't really discard, uh, you know, the chances of seeing Senegal performing well, especially after what they did in their last group stage game. But we have England with odds of one point fifty four on average to win this game in a handicapped situation in which Senegal is less interesting than other teams like uh, Poland, Australia, and, and South Korea. Mm. Okay. Okay, good stuff. And then there is, uh, are there any other different markets on, on England, Senegal that, that have caught your eye other than the, the potential handicap side of it? I mean, for example, Harry Kane hasn't scored in the World Cup yet, but you would assume that at some point he is going to going to get a goal what's the uh what's the anytime goal score sort of market like on, on games like this well you have a situation that must be considered that Kane is really you know not just being the typical striker just waiting for the ball he's always trying to create chances and in a way it hurts his um not only his actual chances of scoring, but his odds in the market is is like it looks like the market is aware of the way he's playing tactically, and but uh, no big highlight uh, beyond the match result uh, betting market here. Okay, so so with Kane then, it's the the odds the odds are slightly more favourable because he's not getting into as many goal scoring chances, but because it's still Harry Kane, they're not as favourable as they should be for a guy who's not really getting into goal-scoring chances, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say that the markets now consider, you know, that England has other players like Rashford working the wings, and uh, they see it uh, that these guys have more chances of actually scoring goals than Kane that is working in some moments almost like an attacking midfielder, you know, trying to 
to provide decent passes and assists to to his teammates. Okay, good stuff. So then, Satish. So, am I right in thinking then that you're going for the uh, for the first four games of the round of sixteen? You're looking at well, actually, we we haven't spoken about the Netherlands USA enough, and we're not going to go into the game in detail. But if you were just to say who's going to win that according to the data, who's going to win that according to the data? Uh, well, I think Netherlands versus USA. The game is going to be competitive because uh, last week when me Adam and all we were talking, like we were talking about the underperformance this group stage and. Like Adam surprisingly, surprisingly mentioned Netherlands because I never thought Netherlands were one of the teams that were underperforming. But when I actually went into looking at the data, Netherlands were actually are actually underperforming because in terms of uh, passes into the final third, passes into like opposite opponents' penalty area and expected goals created, they're literally at the bottom half. And the only yeah, and the only thing that makes them like that makes them win games is because they are able to convert the chances. We all knew like Netherlands; they always had problems with the final pass. But then, then this World Cup, they have been able to finish chances, and that is the only reason why they have been able to like hide the fact they are underperforming. And on the other hand, USA, they have they have, they say, we know they are competitive. They like against England, we saw how well they were tactically planned. So it would be a good game if. USA could get their final pass right, just like how Netherlands should get the other aspects, like especially the finishing right, or not the finishing, like they're able to progress the ball into the final third right. I think it it could be a very competitive game, but if you ask me who's going to win the game, I I wouldn't be surprised if the game goes to penalties. But yeah, well, uh, based on experience and all that, I would say Netherlands. Okay, so so you'll be going Netherlands, Argentina, France, and England then as your four, I'm guessing. Yeah, Netherlands, Argentina, France, and England. Yes, you're right. And Lucas, have you got? Would you do anything different to that? No, I agree completely. Interesting. Well, I think, not, and not just for the sake of being different. I think there's, for example, if I was ever to go out and go, these four teams are definitely going to win a game of football. If it was easy, as easy as that, I'd get it right every single time. So one of those teams isn't going to win. Uh, and I think the USA might get us off to an interesting start. I think they could spring an upset there. When I look at it, that's the one game where you think, yeah, for me, potentially, there could be a shock there. And of course, that just naturally means that the Netherlands are going to go and win out for, go and win 3 0 now because that's the way it would always go if I, if I make some kind of <laughs> comment like that. So, for sure. All right, guys, well done. Good stuff. Thank you for that insight in today's podcast. Uh, I think it's the three of us back tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think we do like we three are the same guys tomorrow. Wonderful. So we can find how find out how good or how bad we were very, very quickly. So yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, folks. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, this has been the Total Football Analysis Daily. Enjoy the football. Don't forget if you are placing any form of bet on anything, do be gamble aware and treat anything we've said here just as, very much as advice. And it's not set in absolute stone, of course. Have a good evening. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.